This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. You may have heard it said that a journey of a, a, a thousand miles starts with one step. You've heard that before, right? That in, in those thousand miles, there may be a million steps. And I think it's fair to say that when we look back over life, that a million steps really would equal a journey, wouldn't it? You know, the, the thing that's important to understand about that is that we're not really talking about like the steps that we take when we walk. We're talking about the direction that life chooses to go. Because life itself naturally chooses a direction. It naturally goes after something. And there's always a place where that starts, isn't it? Now, if you've had the privilege like I have with two young kids of raising them and being around them, you got to witness some things that are pretty awesome. I don't know if you guys have done this like we have, but we take a, a bazillion pictures of our kids, right? Because we have the world's most popular phone in our palms of our hands. I mean, we carry our iPhones all the time. And I actually have a program that will allow me just to immediately start to capture video if there's something that starts to happen, and I think it's pretty cool. And so when Adelaide first started to get close to taking her first steps, we had the cameras rolling. I want to share that moment with you today. When Adelaide took her first steps, she looks so young in this. Look at this. There she is. And that's her first steps right there. That's her first steps. Show it again. Show it, show it again. So cute. Right, we just propped her up, and there she goes. His legs are like that. Yeah, now, if we look back in your life, there's a moment when your journey started worth uh, f- your first few steps. And I don't know where your journey is right now, but the truth is, is that there is some journey that's happening in your life. There is a direction that your life has taken. And the real question to deal with in that is really where are you going? In your life, where, where are you going? You know, the thing that's unique about where we are in culture right now is that so many of the things that are around us that we have defined as progress, really, I think when we get centuries from now and they look back, we may not define them as progress. That Some of the things that are embedded into our culture where we feel like we have taken a step forward, we actually may look and go, nope, that was a step backwards. I mean, let me give you one. Just kind of a step forward that we all would say, yeah, man, that was a massive progress. It was a massive step forward. It's the evolution over the last maybe 100 years of our transportation systems, right? Things that we didn't have Decades and decades ago, like massive freeway and interstate systems and planes to travel all over the world. 
You know, the Department of Energy actually conducted a, a study last year to determine, based on where the average American lives, how much time they spend in the car commuting to work back and forth. The average person has a 30-minute commute to work. 30 minutes. That's average. All right. Around here, because many of our uh, professional families and working families maybe haven't found uh, jobs you may do, like my wife, and my wife drives to Matthews to work every day, and, and that's a, a, at least a 45-minute commute. That means for the average American, there's at least five hours a week that they're in a car. Just nailed down in a car going back and forth to work. Five hours is a lot, folks. That's a pretty good hunk of change when it comes to looking at a work week or even just looking at the time that we're awake in a week. Let's think about technology, right? I mean, we've talked all about social networks, and I'm not going to go there, but I actually had a friend tell me this week, he's like, you know, I went to try to talk to my wife. We're having a conflict, and uh, she didn't want to talk to me. She wanted to text it out. <laughs> like, really? That's pretty, that's pretty awkward. <laughs> Let's just text message back and forth and get this thing. You know, the technology that we hold was really originally all of it designed to connect us wasn't it to provide a new way a better way to communicate and to share back and forth but the more that we're seeing is that the more that we engage in that stuff that was originally meant to help us connect to people it's actually separating us from them because in the text message you you don't see facial expressions do you you don't see body language, you don't hear inflection, you miss all of that stuff that is really involved in communication, that there's at least half of what we're saying is not really what we're saying. Y'all know what I'm saying? As we move in life, life is not going to, for most of us, sit still. Life is not going to sit still. There is going to be either progress or regression. All right? We're either going to move forward or backwards on the journey, but there is going to be movement. And that's why the real question to deal with, the real question to process and to wrestle with is in life, where are you going? Where are you going? What's the direction that life looks like for you? What is the next step out of the million steps that you will take? Where are you going? The reason that that is important is because one of the foundational things that we believe is that we believe that life is a journey. We believe that life is a journey. It's a And it's an important journey. That God designed something in that journey that is a remarkable gift to you and to me. And if we miss that, if we miss 
the fact that God has invited us onto a journey, that he's invited us to come along with him, then we might answer that question incorrectly. Where are you going? I'd like to go through what I think are some of the most common answers that I get when I ask people that question. The most common answer that I get when I ask someone the question, where are you going? What's life look like right now? Is that we define our journey by a destination. We define our journey by a destination. Well, Kevin, you know, I'm just really working real hard right now to get out of debt. Everything that I'm doing in life right now is all about that. I'm trying to save money and put money away and pay off this credit card and that credit card and this medical bill. This is really where my life is going right now. Well, you know, Kevin, just want to find the right person to get married to. That's what I'm looking for right now. That's what life is all about for me. I'm looking for that right relationship, that right person. I'm, I'm trying. That's, that's really what life looks like right now for me. You know, Kevin, I'm, I've just been unhappy in my job, and I'm looking for a job that would maybe pay me a little bit more, that I could be a little happier at. We define our journey by a destination. But you see, the problem with that definition is that basically what we do is we create life in a line. We create life that looks like a line. There is a destination, and I am headed towards that destination. And there's a problem with that. There's a big problem with that that we need to understand when we define the journey of our lives by a destination. The first one is that when we define the purpose of this journey by a destination, we will do whatever it takes to get to that destination. We will find shortcuts to get there. Kevin, you know, I, right now I'm just trying to work my way up the ladder. I really want to kind of move up in the company that I'm working for. So, you know, I'm not spending as much time with my kids. I'm buying them a lot of gifts because I'm making some pretty good money now. But I'm not spending as much time. I know I probably should spend a little bit more time with them. But once I get to that next promotion... Once I get to that next level, I'll have more time then. You know, the end goal being, I want to save a little bit of money. Whatever it is, we will find a shortcut to get there. And the shortcut that we normally find is probably not the best way to go. It's probably not the kind of life that God would call us to. So we will find a shortcut to get to this destination when we define life by a destination. The other problem with defining life by a line and putting a destination at the end of it, putting something at the end of it, is that we have to wrestle with the question, what happens when you get it? Do you end up looking like that dog that's chasing a car? What happens if I stop my car? What do you do? You just bark at me. I love this moment in A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Donald Miller, a writer, reflects over finding a note that he had 
written in his early 20s. And he said, you know, I wrote down three things that I wanted to do. He was at that point a, a pastor on staff at a church in Texas. And he said, I want to move to the Pacific Northwest. I want to write a New York Times bestseller. And I want to get married to the woman of my dreams. He said, you know, I found this note in my early 30s. and I'd already moved to the Pacific Northwest. He had written a book called Blue Like Jazz that blew up and was a New York Times bestseller's 10 essays on living for Jesus. And it was really funny and entertaining. He said, you know, and I hadn't really met the girl, but I wasn't really looking at that point either. <laughs> he said, you know, I realized in that moment that my life was not moving because I had got everything that I had identified as the destination. I got it. So the second answer that I often hear is that I'm camping out. I'm camping out. Now, I'm not a, lot, a guy that likes to uh, go camping out, but look at this picture with me. I found this on the Internet. I think this is, dude, that camping trip was intense. I don't know about you. I, I'm just, I think it's too intense for me <laughs> to go camping. I have a bed. I'm a grown man. I'm going to sleep in that bed. That's how I feel about camping. But, you know, the, the thing about camping, when I hear the people that say I'm camping out, is really there's a sense of I'm not moving anywhere. Life isn't making any kind of progress. It's not making any kind of movement. And you, you know what? Biologists call something that's not moving dead. <laughs> dead. Something that's not moving is dead. And, you know, we have to be honest about life and say, if there is no movement, we have to accept that it's dead. The third thing that I hear is that I'm just stuck in a cycle. I'm stuck in this cycle, and I often hear this when I'm working with addicts or people who are dealing with those kinds of, of problems. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming out of a time of, of dealing with that, and, and you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm doing everything that's right, and, and then a few weeks later, I'm, I'm doing awesome. I'm on top of the world. Then you get so arrogant that Satan can now trip you up, and then you get caught right back in the same thing and start the whole new cycle all over again. I'm stuck in a cycle. I'm stuck in a cycle, or we might call that a circle. The last thing that I would tell you is really what I would say, that if we look into the heart of God, life should look like. And that's that we're consumed by a vortex. That is not a circle. And it is not a line. It is a life that wraps itself around Jesus. That places Jesus at its center and then goes on a journey to get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to Jesus. That's what life should look like. Let's revisit kind of the theme for this series. 
that we will find our greatest strength from what lies at the center of our lives. We will find the greatest strength from what lies at the center of our lives. And if we put the wrong thing, if we put anything other than Jesus at the center of our lives, all we have done is created a functional Savior that is not strong enough to save us. You may, if you place a relationship at the center of your life, you may find strength in that relationship. But that strength is not strong enough to save you. You may find strength in your job if you place your career at the center of your life, but that strength is not strong enough to save you. Only Jesus at the center of our lives is strong enough to save us. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. I want to know Christ. And that knowing of him, that placing of him leads me to a life that pushes death away and leads to real, authentic life. I would tell you this in regards to what we just talked about. Jesus does not want to be your number one priority. He does not want to be your number one priority. Jesus wants to be the center of your life because the center of your life invades everything in your life. You see, when Jesus is the center of your life, it's not just Jesus, then my job, then my family. It's not, I can't get that mixed up, right? It's not even if we get it right, Jesus, my spouse, my kids, my my church, my job, if we get even a good priority structure, see the problem with that is if we sit back and look and go, you know what, I really have given Jesus most of my day. I I got up and prayed this morning and I've spent all the time that that I really wanted to devote to him, but now it's time to do my taxes. And I'm gonna lie just a little bit. Because taxes are down here and Jesus is number one priority, but he's not really a part of how I do my taxes. That's lower down on the priority structure. And so it's not Jesus involved in everything. It's just Jesus up there. He's got to get the most. He's got to get the most attention, the most love. But that's not the way life should look. It should be Jesus in my family, Jesus in my career, Jesus in my relationships. See, the center of your life invades everything. Jesus doesn't want to just be this number one priority on a totem pole. He wants to be the center of your life. In John 14, 6, Jesus said what may be the most incredible statement in all of human history. He said this, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. You see, he is completely messing up any life that defines itself by a line or by a circle. Complete. In that moment, he is absolutely wrecking it. Because, see, what happens when Jesus becomes the way, the truth, and the life in our life is all of a, all of a sudden, God, through Jesus, gives us a destination that is Jesus, to become like Christ and a direction to follow him. He's the way. He gives us a destination and a direction. See, the problem with the line that is a life that is defined like a line that has a destination is it does not have a direction. And we will go whatever direction it takes to get to that destination. You with me on that? You see, lives that are stuck in circles or cycles, well, they have a direction but no destination. Only when Jesus becomes the center of our lives do we get a destination and a direction that leads to authentic, real life the way that God meant it to be. And I'm afraid that we're a lot like I was when I was little. Y'all ever been in the back seat of a car with a bunch of little ones on a long ride? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Sitting back there going, are we there yet? Jesus, are we there yet? I mean, we just, and you, you know kids start asking that like 15 minutes after you got out of the driveway, right? You tell them it's a five-hour trip. Are we there yet? We just left. Wait, I mean, really, already? I mean, I can't, you know, back, back when we traveled, we, we had to make up games. Kids have, like, their own TVs now. I can't imagine, right, being a little kid. You know, my, my daughter does not know anything different than traveling on long trips with her own DVD player where she gets to watch her own movies. But are we there? And we all too often are asking God, are we there yet? Let me give you what kind of today's theme is. That life should be a journey to experience Jesus and to be transformed into his image. That's what life should look like. It's a journey that God has invited us on to chase after Jesus, to be transformed into his image. And we really don't find any greater picture of that than picking up at the end of where we were last week with the Apostle Paul. Maybe the greatest, most influential figure in the first century church. Penned by volume half of the New Testament. Influenced out of the New Testament that he didn't write personally half of the rest of the New Testament. Almost single-handedly responsible for the direction that the gospel went as it left out of Israel and moved into Greece and Rome. And he says this in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already 
obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Maybe the greatest Christian in human history says, I'm not there yet. I haven't got there yet. I haven't obtained this. This isn't something that I've talked about where there's a destination and I'm there. And I can tell you, I'm giving you a roadmap of how to get to where I am. He's saying no. Christ is the center of our lives, invites us into a lifelong journey to get closer and closer to him. So out of that journey that we look back, that million steps, what's your next step? What's your next step? I'm going to go through three different categories of people that are here today. You pick out which one you are. And let's talk about what possibly the next step in your journey needs to be. The first person that I would talk to is the person that's here, and you would say, hey, I'm sold out. I'm all in. I love Jesus. My life is his. I would say that holistically I have laid my life down to follow God. Been redeemed by Jesus. I've been purchased by his blood. I've experienced salvation, and I walk with him. The first thing that I would tell you is that that you need to embrace this truth, and it's important. We have not arrived. We have not arrived. And based on the words that the Apostle Paul wrote, I would ask you this question. What are you pressing into right now? What are you pressing into in your life right now? You see, even this great warrior, messenger that had carried the gospel message so faithfully says, I'm pressing on heavenward so that I can get closer to the calling that God has put on my life. If the Apostle Paul has got to press on, I'm going to be honest with you, all of us have got something that we need to be pressing into. What are you pressing into right now in your life? What is God doing in your life? Where is he changing you? Right now, how are you being challenged in your walk with him? Because if it's been a long time, since you felt uncomfortable with Jesus, if it's been a long time since you've actually spiritually had to get up and take a next step, you know what it looks like when our spiritual lives have no movement? They're dead. And I don't care how long you've loved Jesus, I don't care how much you know about the Bible, if there is no movement, 
It's dead. So what is God leading you to press into right now? The second person would be the person that I would call a stumbling believer. If you're here and you love Jesus and you've committed to follow him and you really want to be the kind of person that God wants you to be, but you look at your life and you go, I know I'm falling way short of that. I'm not being the person that God wants me to be. I would ask you this question. Where's your center right now? Where's your center? Is the center of your life something that's good? Maybe your spouse, maybe your job, maybe your kids. Maybe it's as simple as a thing. Right now the center of your life being a hobby or something that you want to do. But that pursuit is invading every other one. You see, when we place our jobs at the center of our lives, it will affect our spouse. It will affect our kids. It will affect our home life. It will affect our spiritual life. When we make that which is a good thing a supreme thing, all we've done is just sinned. Because the only authentic center of life is Jesus. So what's your center? Because most likely the reason that you're stumbling is because you have the wrong center. You love Jesus and you want to follow him, but you need to reassess what's at the center of your life. The last person that I would talk to today is the person that's here and you're searching for answers. Not sure if you buy into all this Jesus stuff. Not sure how you feel about church or being a Christian. The first thing that I would tell you is that the only journey that's worth taking is a journey that chases after Jesus. There are a lot of men that waste their lives chasing women, chasing money, sometimes chasing promotions. And that stuff may look good in this world. But this world is not the end of life. The only pursuit in life that is worth going after is a life that chases after Jesus. See, I would point you to the words of the Apostle Paul that we just read out of Philippians 3. He said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on so that I might win the prize. This is a smart guy. And he says, one thing I do, and then lists two actions. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and pressing on. 
I move towards the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, the thing is, is that I don't care where you're coming from. Everyone in, everyone that's here, one of the biggest barriers to us making progress is our past. That doesn't even mean a bad past. Sometimes it's a good past that can be a huge barrier to us taking the next step that God wants. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing on. You see, the reason that we can forget that past is that God comes in and forgives us, redeems us, and restores us. He makes us like we're new so that we can walk through a world like we're new because we're new. So I can forget that which is behind. Some of you have a really ugly past. And for you, that has been a difficult thing to take that next step. But the Bible gives you permission to forget that. So where are you today? What next step do you need to take to follow after Jesus, to go on a journey that will give you life, give you exactly the kind of life that God would have? Let's pray. Today, God, we just look into your heart and we ask that by your mercy and grace you would come here, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us. Some of us, God, are being caught in lives that have been defined by what seems like a good destination and maybe in many ways we've sacrificed things that were never meant to sacrifice so that we could get there. Some of us have got there and we're asking the question, well, what's next? There's some of us that are here today and we've just been camping out. We've been stuck in the same place. Some of us have been stuck in a cycle, but God, today it's my prayer that you would invite us into the vortex, a life that chases after you, where you're the center of our lives and we're being transformed into your image. So with nobody looking, I'd like to ask you a question. Every eye closed, heads bowed. If you're here today and you've never started that journey, you've never stepped out to start to follow Jesus, if you've never been that person all it takes is the willingness to take the first step. You might look a little bit like my daughter when you do that. You might be stumbling. might be a little unsteady. But a step towards Jesus is the best step you could ever take. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to take that step towards Jesus today? Are you willing to look inside your heart and to say, God, I'm coming after you. I'm going to follow you. I want you to be my destination and the direction of my life. Are you willing to follow Jesus? If you've never said that before, but you want to say it right now, would you raise your hand in this room? I've never decided before. 
that I wanted to follow Jesus, but I want to do. I want to today. Is there anybody that would raise their hand? Is there anybody else that would say today, you know what? I've been living with the wrong center. And because of that, my life has had the wrong direction. And I I need to repent and get that right. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. I want to follow Him. I want to go after Him. I don't want the wrong things at the center of my life. Is there anybody that would want to say that to God today? Raise your hand if that's you. So God, today, for those of us that need to take the first step in a journey to go after you, and those of us that are here that say, God, I've been going on the wrong journey. I've had the wrong center of my life. Would you, by your grace and mercy, come and save us and lead us and guide us for your namesake so that we can follow you and be loved by you and experience you in a way that We can only do when you're the center of our lives. God, thank you for the invitation to go on this journey with you. We love you. We're honored that you would walk with us and lead us and empower us. So we look to you today as the center of our lives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.